Welcome back to the Successful Practitioner Podcast. I'm your host, Sam, and together we are going to explore what it takes for you to build your vision of success as a health professional. Today, I am joined by the lovely Jessica Donovan. And for those who don't know her, she is the founder of Natural Super Kids. Over the past five years, Jess has built and scaled her business into an incredibly successful online offering. And she also has a team of multiple team members working under her now. And now she is sharing her knowledge with other practitioners about how she has actually achieved this and how they can achieve it too. So she is really passionate about supporting health and well-being practitioners to have a greater impact with their expertise through online business. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jess. So good to be here, Sam. It's so exciting. You were always going to be one of the top on my list when I decided to come back to podcasting because I love everything that you do. I send so many people your way, even just, you know, my, my friends and family who have kids themselves. I know you have such amazing online resources and so many diverse offers out there that it's quite natural for me to just like refer people your way. But that also makes me really curious because we have worked together in the past. It's made me really curious to actually dive into where Jess Donovan started, you know, this, this early stage and how you got to where you are today. So I thought I'd start off by just asking, how did you start on your journey as becoming a practitioner? Yeah, wow. Many, many years ago, I've got to, to, you know, really utilize that memory. So I I went straight from school to study naturopathy. um, And it was really, my my interest was piqued because of my own health issues, like many of us, uh, you know, us have that experience. So as a teenager, I had a lot of acne and a lot of hormonal issues. And after seeing doctors and specialists and not really getting anywhere or not getting any kind of long-term results, I saw a naturopath and it changed everything for me. Like I just learned so much about nutrition and diet and, um, and, you know, she got those issues sorted for me. So I was like, this is what I want to do. Uh, yeah, so I went to study naturopathy straight from school. I did do year 12 over two years. Um, and then I did have a year gap. And then so I, I took my time, um, but I was the young one of the youngest in the class because a lot of the naturopathic, naturopathic students back then were in their 30s, you know, coming back. Um, and so, yeah, that's how I got started. Wow. I remember back um, in, when I studied that, that that divide was starting to shift thanks to a lot of like the online naturopaths, you know, the Instagram influencers who were seeing naturopaths, all of that sort of thing. But even back then, you know, the the straight out of school grads or, you know, the people who took a gap year or two rather than having a full career beforehand was still probably only about 10 to 20% per, per year level. Like yeah. it was not not a big percentage of people, whereas nowadays I think they're up towards sort of the, the 30 to 40% who are people who are, you know, within their first few years of graduating from high school. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's been a really interesting sort of sort of shift. And that's yeah. definitely the power of, you know, awareness and online, you know, presence and all of that sort of thing and people becoming aware of the impact of natural health. Definitely. So when you first started out as a fresh new face grad, excited to get into the world of naturopathy, did you have any real idea about what you wanted to do? So 
to be really honest, all I wanted to do was go traveling <laughs> after <laughs> I finished my studies. And that's what I did. So me and my now hubby went overseas and we, you know, did the typical, we worked at summer camps and we worked in pubs in London, but then I got my big break. Well, I was just so excited about this job that I got in London in a naturopathic clinic with four or five other naturopaths. And so that was my first job and we had a huge herbal dispensary. So I started off just working in the shop in a suburb called Chiswick, for those of you who know London, um, and got lots of experience. You know, people used to come in and say, oh, I've got this ailment. And then we used to just mix them up herbs. So I got lots of experience doing that. And then I went on to start doing a bit of con. con- consultations um, within that that practice. So yeah, that's how I started. And it was, I learned so much in the year that I was there from the other naturopaths that I worked with. I, I would argue I, I learned more in that year than I did in, in college. Oh, absolutely. And that's something I hear a lot from other practitioners is your first year or two out, especially if you're able to work alongside someone else or, you know, have a coach or something like that. It's that first year of actually taking action and working in the space that just makes such a big difference because even these days with, you know, the student clinic setups and all of that sort of thing that are designed to give us real life experience, in real life, you're not going to sit down, talk to someone for 30 minutes and then tell them to wait out in the waiting room, run out, draw a mind map, ask your supervisor to approve it and then run back in and deliver the, the treatment. Exactly. Like that's as much as like I understand that that's what they need to do, but it's not real life experience. It's a taste, but it is definitely not the same as being the only person in the other room with this client and they're sitting there unloading all of their problems onto you. It's such a different space. Yeah, and I really, I remember being terrified with my first client, like thinking, what are they going to come with? Am I going to know all the answers? You know, all of those kind of grad feels. Um, yeah, and over the years, I've learned that, you know, when we're not supposed to know everything, we're not expected to know everything. So sort of being upfront, I think, is is really important. Yeah, absolutely. So how did you get from being over in London to then being down in South Australia um, and, you know, obviously since then you've started your family as well. Yeah. So, um, we, you know, we travelled and uh, worked all in all places around the world for almost five years and then we came back to little old South Australia. We live about an hour south of Adelaide on the Flurio Peninsula. Um, and, yeah, then I got a job in a pharmacy and started practicing there. So that was some great experience as well. And then I got pregnant and had two two babies within a couple of years of each other. And it was really when I had babies that I decided I really don't want to be stuck working with clients in a clinic room all day. Like one of my top values has always been freedom. And as my practice started getting busier and busier, um, I realized that I didn't love sitting in a room with clients all day, every day. And that was the kind of, I guess, the, the turning point or the realization that I wanted to do things a different way. So I launched my first online business, which was actually called Energetic Mama. Um, and that was obviously all about energy for mums. I had young kids at the time, so it was very relevant for where I was at at, the, at that time. Um 
And I started sort of, you know, playing around in the online space, creating content, doing the social media, creating programs. Um, yeah, so that was my first taste of, of online business. And I loved the, the freedom that it, that it kind of brought with it. Gosh, even just hearing that brings back memories because for those who don't know, I used to work um, with Jess on her blogs for, for a couple of years and I remember seeing some of your old drafts that were very much more tailored towards that that mum focus and I was just sitting there going, oh, it feels like there's been like this whole other life before Natural Super Kids and now it makes sense that there was an entire different business before Natural Super Kids came along. Yes. So I guess from, from Energetic Mama, how did you then turn into the amazing creation that is Natural Super Kids? Yeah, so this, you know, Natural Super Kids really came about kind of accidentally. So I'd launched this brand, Energetic Mama, and I was creating, um, I was wanting to create my first online program. And so I put a survey out to my audience um, and I said, you know, what would you love me to create? And I had this idea that I'd create, you know, a program on energy for mums or maybe focus on adrenal health and stress support or, you know, that postnatal period. And I had a few options and I just put like a kid's health course at the end because it just, it just kind of came to me. Maybe this is what people are interested in. And I loved kid's health. Um, and by far, you know, my audience was probably only 300 people back then, but it was really engaged. And by far, that was the most popular um, popular choice. So people wanted, my, my audience wanted me to create this kid's health program. So that's what I did. So Natural Super Kids started off as a program and I launched it and it was hugely successful. Like I said, my audience was around three, 350 people back then. And I got 48 people sign up to this course. I mean, that conversion, if I could still get those conversion rates now, I would be like, you know, I mean, you know, my, I'm really happy with where my business is at, but the conversion rates are nothing like that anymore. Um, so this was a huge success. And then I thought, well, I have, you know, I'm energetic mama. I have to create an, an energy for mums course. So I went on to create that. And it was really a bit of a, it was not successful compared to what natural super kids was. And that's when the, the, the seed was planted. Like there's something in this kids health thing. And I love I love delivering this program. People were getting great results from it. It was obviously an area where people needed support. So over, you know, it was probably over a few years until I came to that, that, that point where I was ready to let go of Energetic Mama altogether and make Natural Super Kids my whole business and brand. And that's really probably wasn't long after that that we started working together. Wow, because I just remember you being the natural super kids by the time I came along, you know, that, that, that was just who you were. And it did not even occur to me. There was nothing there that indicated to me that you weren't natural super kids. Like that was, that was who you were, but it's, it's interesting, also, isn't it? it's also fascinating. And this is definitely something that I've seen with a lot of people as well, is that we think we know what people want, yes. but it's not until you actually go out ask people, test the market, especially with practitioners, because we do tend to think of things in that very clinical sense. You know, we sit there going, 
oh yeah, they're absolutely going to want something to help recover from adrenal burnout. And for a lot of parents, they're not even at that point yet. They're just sitting there going, I just want my kids to not be miserable, you know, itching their eczema or, you know, fussing over their food. Or I'm just thinking back to all the topics I remember covering with you. You know, that to them is the most important thing is their kids' health. And then almost as a secondary thing, and this was something I saw in your business, you would then have them go, oh, my kids are feeling so much better. I wonder if this can help me too. Yes. And that's the real benefit. Like it were, it is like, you know, mums or parents, I should say, um, do value their kids' health over their own in a lot of ways. You know, they're more likely to invest in Um, you know, finding a solution for their kids' eczema or to get their kids to eat more variety or, um, you know, to get on top of behavioural mood problems than they are, you know, for themselves, you know, even if they are feeling really fatigued and um, whatever else might be going on for them. So, yeah, it it was an interesting transition. But, yes, like um, asking your audience and listening to what they say is huge. That has really been such a guiding force in my business and still is. Like I, I, I've just recently this week surveyed our members um, to ask them what content they want us to create. You know, we're always asking um, our customers, members, audience what they want. And we've got so many options to be able to do that now with things like Instagram stories, polls. You know, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to spend hours putting a survey together. You can literally just ask a few questions on Instagram stories and, um, you know, see what results you get back. Yeah. And I remember back when you were doing your regular Facebook lives, people would come on and just ask the most random of questions that had nothing to do with the topic you were covering. But we kept that list of every time I saw a comment of someone being like, what's the best probiotic for my child? And you're sitting there going, that is nothing to do with what we're talking about today, but I'll note that down. That was future content for you to create because you knew there was at least one person out there who wanted to know about the best probiotics for kids. Mm. And for every person who comes onto a live that has nothing to do with probiotics and asks about it, there's going to be at least 10, 20, 30 sitting there wondering the same thing, but not asking. Yes. And that's such a good point. So you don't even have to formally ask people like listening to the questions and the comments that people are, you know, popping onto your social media posts and things is huge. And literally your audience can plan your content for you. So it takes all that thinking away um, that you have to do. So that's such a great point. I forgot we used to do that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm sure I've still got documents somewhere with lists of things. Um, (laughs) And I guess the really interesting thing for me about natural super kids is that, you know, a lot of practitioners have their turning points where they start to, you know, sort of change how they do business. But I've seen you do that multiple times and it's not like a full 180. It's just, you know, a little tweak here, a little tweak here. And every time I've seen you do that, I've just seen a skyrocket of success. And for me, I think one of your most recent turning points that I'd love to ask a little bit more about is sort of where you started to step back from being the main practitioner, seeing everyone yourself and sort of forming your team, not only in terms of having multiple practitioners working for you now, but also I believe you have a very important team member uh, on the back end as well, who was a very exciting hire for you. 
Yeah, so this is such a great point. And just what you said is so important, I think, that like looking at what's working in your business and, you know, making those little tweaks um, is so important. And I think that has been a huge part of my growth in my business. Um, yeah, so I, you know, I deliberately wanted to call my business Natural Super Kids as opposed to my name because uh, my vision was that I didn't want natural super kids to be all about me. I wanted to that to be able to step back from being, you know, doing all of the things and being the only one that's kind of visible in my business. Um, so yeah, that was always part of my plan. And really over the last year, I've managed to really be able to kind of start to step back. We've had I've had a naturopath work for me for a few years now and we had a turnover like she one of the naturopaths left because she wanted to um, focus on other things and so I hired a naturopath so the the other one was a contractor and um, my more recent the naturopath that's currently with me Sarah who is is amazing she we've actually hired her as an employee which was a huge you know a huge decision because it's a big commitment, you know, not to, not just to have that responsibility of paying yourself every week, but to be paying, paying other people every week. Um, but we were fairly confident that the business was at a point to be able to do that. Um, and yeah, so now she is in the natural super kids club, which is our online membership, our main offer, you know, answering questions. She does some of the, the ask the naturopath lives for me. Um, you know, she's on the podcast. Um, so yeah, that that's been huge to, um, to have someone. So everyone's not relying on me all the time for those qualified kind of answers or to be the face of the, the brand all the time. But yeah, so she's one of our team members. We also have Mel who is um, in charge of customer engagement and community and sorry, social media management. So she's got a lot of tasks. She takes care of a lot of the, like all of the social media. She does a lot of the writing, like in terms of newsletters and our membership emails and that sort of thing. It's taken a bit to kind of handball that over. Um, but over time, I've just kind of gained more and more trust in her, I guess. And she does such a great job. She's a qualified nutritionist as well. So she can come in and answer questions for our members. Um, and I also have an offshore VA um, who does a lot of the, the back end stuff. She was my first hire. Um, you know, I, I felt confident with the affordability of hiring someone offshore, first of all. Um, and, you know, but there is a big difference between the offshore VAs and then the, you know, the sorts of assistance that you can get, um, you know, the sorts of tasks that you would potentially give to an offshore VA as opposed to an Australian or, um, you know, Western VA, I guess, are very different. So I've learned that over, over time as well. Yeah, that's definitely something that people have heard me rant about a few times. <laughs> yes. And and my, you know, for those who don't know, I do train BAs now, um, particularly those with a natural health background, because I did see this gap between people who, you know, wanted to hire a VA, but they didn't want to hire someone offshore who didn't have the health understanding, but they were also finding a lot of sort of the generic VAs that are out there 
just didn't have the 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 know-how of like the little things that we know about like you know making claims on on Facebook posts and things like that um that someone who has a background in natural health is a lot more aware of what can and can't be done um but yeah absolutely and that's that's been a big part of your business is not just scaling your business but also scaling your support Yes, huge. And I don't, I don't do really many consults at all anymore. So our naturopath now takes care of all of the, all of the new consultations coming in. Um, You know, I see a few sort of regular clients, but that was a huge decision that I came to, you know, it, again, it took me a couple of years of kind of like really reducing the amount of clients that I was seeing and, and then feeling like I really can't, you know, the business at the level it's at, I need to be the visionary. I need to be the one up, you know, looking at all of the moving pieces. And I really love that, you know, um, doing the planning, you know, what's our next launch going to look like doing the planning for the content that we're going to be creating for our members. And so I knew I couldn't do it all. And, you know, and initially, and I'm sure there's lots of practice listening that would go, yeah, but you know, how do I hire a practitioner that's not going to be able to, not going to be like me, you know, then they might not be, be um, you know, have the same strengths or they might not work in the same way. But I, you know, I've come to realize that, I mean, Sarah, our naturopath, she's got different strengths than I have. And so that's, you know, that's great. So you've got to allow your team to kind of be who they are, but make sure you hire the right people that are going to fit in with, you know, the values of the business um, and to, to have experience in the, in the different kind of responsibilities that you want them to take on board. Um, that's another huge thing about hiring rather than, you know, I, I started out just, you know, dishing out the tasks. Can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? But then that becomes, you become the kind of, um, you know, the bottleneck of like, you've got to be setting the tasks all the time and then you've got to be reviewing the tasks all the time. So you're almost just as busy as if you were doing the tasks yourself. Um, so something I've learned over the, the years, probably the three or four years that I've been hiring is to really um, p- make your team responsible for certain projects, you know, certain um, things that are going on within your business as opposed to just just tasks. For example, you know, you're taking care of Instagram. Of course, you give them direction um, and you have meetings and you kind of, you know, do a bit of planning together, but it's their responsibility to make sure there's a post every day, um, you know, make sure that the engagement is, is going up to make sure there's, you know, so, so there's KPIs for, for every task that um, sort of need to be met. So there's a lot of work in building a team, but I now work less than I ever have. And our business is, is bigger and turning over more than it ever has. So it's certainly worth it in the long term. Yeah. And I, I think that is uh, something that a lot of practitioners are now aspiring towards and they're actually feeling safe to actually say that now. Whereas, you know, over previous years, it would feel it would feel icky. And I think a lot of this has come back to the lecturers we had and the messages we got while we were studying of, you know, people who are, you know, really successful as practitioners, uh, you know, probably they're either like really burnt out or they're just in it for the money and they're not actually helping people properly. And all of these stories that we were told, you know, that real broke healer mindset that was such a big issue, particularly, you know, sort of up until a few years ago where a lot, a lot more people became aware that, it is actually okay for you to work smarter, 
not work harder and to scale your business as well. Definitely. And, you know, that if you do that, you can actually help more people and have more impact. And of course, not everyone wants to move away from the consulting. Like some people love the consulting. Um, And so, but then you can outsource some of the other parts of the business. You know, you then you need to outsource someone to take care of the the management and the higher level strategy. Um, And you can do that. So you can pick and choose what your strengths are, which I think you learn over years in business and they change. Like I did used to love consulting, um, but when I started resenting looking at my calendar and like, oh, I've got clients today, I knew it was time to, you know, to, to switch what I was doing and to get someone on board on my team that would love that part of the business. Yeah. And that's really important to note as well is that you don't have to have the same strengths, the same passions, the same interests especially when you've been in in business as long as you have been, if you were still just the same just sitting in a room seeing, you know, eight hours of clients per day, you would feel so stuck and frustrated. Yes, exactly. And you've got to, you've got to listen to that. You know, I think we get stuck on, but, but I'm a naturopath or I'm a, I'm a nutritionist. So this is what I'm supposed to be doing, but I'm, you know, like, for example, over the last couple of days, I've been putting together a masterclass for my members on gut health and the microbiome. So I'm still in the research. I'm still, you know, educating people, but it's more in a group kind of context. And then for people who want that one-on-one support, we have that option too with, with our, um, you know, with our natural, the naturopath that's on our team. So yeah, I think you've got to listen to, you know, that, that gut feeling of, or, or, you know, those things that spark joy or, you know, that, that you're, you get excited about doing, they're the things you want to be doing more of and, you know, slowly outsourcing those tasks and projects and responsibilities that drag you down in your business. Absolutely. Now we've talked an awful lot about your success because I've, I've had a personal stake in it. So I always get excited to talk about the journey you've been on, but on this podcast, we do also like to get a little bit nitty and gritty and honest. So I do want to ask what has been your biggest failure as a practitioner? Oh gosh, that's a huge question. So I, Again, it's taken me a bit of time to come to this, but I definitely view failures as opportunities to learn. Um, You know, you never, you you don't get the success without the failures. I think that's really important to know. And I've even got to the point now, really only just where even when I'm in that failure or, you know, that, um, that really, you know, the yucky kind of period you know, it's easy. What I'm trying to say is it's easy to look back on failures and go, oh yeah, this came out of that. So that was actually a positive thing. But now when things aren't going well, I'm already recognizing that, okay, there's lessons in here. Um, So the first thing I want to say is like, every failure has a lesson. Like we learn from it. We don't learn from our successes. We learn from our failures. I don't think I've had, like, there's been I can't think of like a big major failure that I've had, but the one, the one thing that comes to mind when you ask me that question is that, um, that kind of failed launch of my mum's energy program, um, which was, which I called delicious well-being. 
And after getting those, you know, 48 people into that natural super kids program back then, and then I launched delicious wellbeing and I literally got like 12 people in, in the course or something like that. So it was a, I was, you know, and my audience had grown. So I was expecting to get maybe 80, um, 80 people sign up to that course. And I only had, I don't know, 15, 18, something like that. I was super disappointed and, you know, ready to kind of throw in the towel. Well, obviously my first launch went well, but this one didn't. So, um, you know, those feelings of like, yes, I've had success, but of course that couldn't last. Um, so I would say that was probably the the failure that, that led to that turning point of, well, hang on, let's just lean into what is working um, and, you know, and go with that. I mean, there's been a lot of failures along the way, a lot of mistakes, um, you know, both small and big, but that would be the the big one that came to mind. Yeah. And that's actually a really interesting one as well, because for you, because you had that previous success, that to you was a failure. But I bet there's plenty of people listening right now that sit there going, my God, if I could launch a program and 12 people signed up, I would be over the moon because I've never worked with that many people in a group before. I've never worked, you know, I've never launched a program before. So it's really interesting that success looks so different to different people based on your goals, your experience, and, you know, having had that previous launch, particularly because it was an unexpected success. Yes. it, It was that little bit more where you're like, okay, well, I wasn't even trying to make kids health a thing and that was how successful it was. So the stuff that I'm actually invested in, that's going to be so much more successful. Yeah. And then it wasn't. That's right. And it's, that's so true. Like success is so subjective and um, yeah, I mean, for anyone starting out in courses to get 12 people signing up to your course, that's a really good, you know, that's a great thing that that's a a success, but because I'd had that, you know, unexpected success, as you said. um, Yeah. So it's, it's really important again, to listen to your audience and when things don't go as like to plan, you know, look at, look at, you know, what could you tweak? I see so many practitioners, you know, put together a course, launch it or, you know, launch it as in send a couple of emails and do a couple of social media posts, which love to talk about that whole launching thing um, and go, oh, well, no one signed up. So this course obviously is not going to work. So let me create another course because I've got this other idea. And if they just, you know, it's so rarely it's the content or the course or the topic, although, you know, there could be definitely some tweaks to the messaging or even the title of the course. Um, But it's, it, you know, it, people are so quick to, to switch gears and try something else. Whereas sticking with the same thing and tweaking based on what you've learned from that previous launch is what will get you the results. I mean, I've been doing the same launch for our natural super kids club, our membership. I do this gut health masterclass, same topic, same content, same Facebook ads, same emails. Of course we do tweak, we do tweak it each time to improve our results. Um, and you know, it does get a little bit boring. The thought of doing that, that masterclass again, I'm going to be doing it again at the end of March, probably for the last time live. It's kind of like, ugh. but when I get into it, I love it because people love it. Um, 
but you know, I could have easily gone, oh, like the first time I launched that, there wasn't huge success around it, but I just looked at, you know, the stats and what worked and what didn't. And I figured out how to sort of improve those things that didn't work so well. And then the next launch improved. So sticking with that thing, that same thing, um, is really important. Like not, not jumping to the next thing just because this didn't work out as well as it could have. Yeah. And just for a, a little bit more context on that, can you, if you can remember back to this, can you remember back to the first time you launched it, how many people sort of showed up and how many people joined as foundational members versus I, I know the level that your most recent uh, success was. So just for some context, where did that start and where are you at now? Yeah, good question. Now, I'm not going to be able to remember the, the figures like exact, but so our, our first launch for the Natural Super Kids Club, I didn't do a, a masterclass or a webinar or anything. I just basically sent out a few emails, but we had like, so that first launch was really successful. We had 168 founding members, which was great, but I had run the Natural Super Kids course uh, probably four or five times. And I was getting questions from those people who'd done the course, like that was great, but we want more support from you. Um, so that's when I knew like a membership was a good next move. So we, I had all of these warm people. So that first launch was great. And then the next launch, when I did a webinar, um, and I, ca I can't remember the exact stats, but I do remember being really disappointed in terms of like, you know, I think we we might have got under 50 new members compared to that 168 that we got initially. I was expecting to get more. And so I just looked at the launch and looked at what worked. So, you know, looking at things like, okay, how many people signed up to the masterclass? And then how many people showed up live? And then, you know, how many people bought live? And, that, you know, so all of those sorts of things. And the, the, you know, the stats that were low, I was like, right, how can I improve that stat? Let's do that again, but let's just work on this one stat or these two stats um, and just like sort of fast forwarding forward a bit. So our last launch in October was our biggest launch ever. We welcomed um, three, it was around 350 new members, which was amazing. The one thing, the, the one stat that I was working at on in that launch was getting more people live to the masterclass because our live show up rate was low, which is pretty common across the board. You know, people are inundated with information. I'm sure people listening can remember those webinars or masterclasses they sign up for. They never go live. So we changed one thing, which was really scary. What I did is I didn't offer a replay. So I'm like, right, we're, I'm doing this live course, that this live class, there's two times to choose from. We're not sending a replay. You have to come live. There's going to be a great bonus for those of you who show up live and go on to join us in the Natural Super Kids Club. And that was what really, you know, made that our biggest launch ever. So that's an example of like, and I think that the masterclass before that, we got a you know, like an 18% show up rate. So 18% of people who had signed up showed up live, which was not good enough. <laughs> um, so that was the the stat that we worked on. Yeah. And, and that just gives people a little bit of an insight into the fact that you do just need to keep looking at things and keep tweaking things. Even when you've reached the, the level of success that Jess has, you know, 
she is still constantly reviewing everything and being like, you know, is this the best it can be? Do we just need to get more people seeing the ads? Yes. Or is there somewhere along that process that it's going to be smarter for us to tweak? Because you can have, you know, thousands of people seeing your ads and thousands of people signing up for your masterclass. But if people are signing up and they're not showing up live and then seeing the reminder email and being like, oh, yeah, I should totally watch that, leaving Mm -hmm. it in their junk mail and then it could delete it after 30 days. I'm not talking from experience at all here. (laughs) That means thousands of people are never going to know about what you actually have to offer. And that means that you've just invested a whole lot of money in ads to get people in but it's nothing to do with the amount of people coming in versus your ads and your promotions. That's not the problem. The problem is further down the chain. Yeah. So knowing your numbers is so important. Don't give up on something, you know, often with prackies that are just starting out that I'm, that I'm working with and and helping them with their launches, it's just their audience is small. So their expect that their expectations are, um, are unrealistic. You know, they want a hundred people to sign up for their course, but they've only got a thousand people on their email list. Like that, those, those stats just don't add up. So, so how can we then build your audience before you launch this thing? Um, So you, you know, so you, by looking at your numbers and knowing what the kind of stand, the standard conversions are, um, you know where you need to to spend that uh, time and energy on. And that's what I'm loving um, in terms of helping other prackies because prackies aren't generally good with numbers. No. <laughs> <laughs> that's a generalization, but, you know, we're not usually very business minded. We just want to help people and we want, we're like, we've created this amazing masterclass or this amazing course and we know that it's great content but we just need more eyeballs on, you know, whatever part of it. Do we need more eyeballs on that opt-in page where they actually sign up to the free masterclass or do we need more live attendees to the masterclass so we can, um, you know, so we can show them how we can continue to help them, you know, where along that line do we, do we need to focus on? Um, and just by looking at those things makes a huge difference. Yeah, absolutely. And, and there's so many different levels to that as well. Even myself, I've got a, um, uh, uh, like a really, I guess, a hot wait list for um, my courses. And even with those, so these are people who have seen that I'm doing a particular course and they want to be the first one to know when it reopens or when it launches or whatever. I'm still only sitting at 30 to 50% conversion rate on that incredibly hot list. So, yeah. you know, and, and those are people who have been engaging with my content for years they know what I do. They know that they love what I teach. They know that they need to work with me. So they've already gone through the whole no like trust um, yes. sort of thing. And they're just, you know, they're sitting there waiting. But there's always going to be those people where it's not the right time. It's not the right time. Or they or don't see the emails. Yeah, or, 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 you know, Gmail decides that you're spam for a week or yeah. anything like that. And that doesn't mean that that person is lost to you forever. No, and you can't take it personally as well. I think that's where the power is in, of course, like our, you know, our people, our audience, our customers, our members, our our um, clients, they're not 
they're not numbers, but, and I think that's where that, that kind of um, friction comes in, you know, when we talk about knowing your numbers, but it's like, well, you know, they're not just numbers, they're people, but we, you know, you've got to be realistic in, in what to expect. So knowing those numbers, um, at, you can, you can, you know, be really onto knowing your numbers and still, you know, give lots of value and treat people like people. Um, I think that those things can, can, you know, be both true together. Yeah. I, I love that with this chat, we've just been going with the flow and we've kind of covered so many different aspects of business and success and all of this sort of thing. But I guess if we can get you to distill it down, what is one message that you want to share with all of the aspiring prackies and students out there that are listening? Yeah, so I, oh, I mean, my my real passion is in helping health and wellness practitioners like have more impact with their expertise online. And so I'm, you know, I, I guess the message that I want people to to know is like you can you can work in whatever way lights you up. You don't have to work in a particular way as a practitioner. Um, and it, you know, it takes time, just keep putting one foot in front of the other, um, and learning, you know, along the way, um, and you will get there eventually. Um, it does take time and I think it's harder to get a business off the ground an online business off the ground now than it was when I got started for sure. I'll definitely, you know, admit to that. Um, but just keep talking to your audience and, um, you know, keep listening to what they have to say and creating those things that, you know, that they're asking you, whether that's through, through questions or, um, you know, however that's kind of coming across. So yeah, that's what I would say. Yeah. And I think that's kind of an important point as well is particularly coming back to that whole, you know, numbers versus people thing is even online. Every person who interacts with you, whether you know it or not, whether they're lurking on your socials, you have a relationship with them. Yeah. And part of a relationship is listening to what the other person has to say, listening to what they need from you. And that is exactly the same with online. That doesn't change just because they're not sitting in front of you in a clinic room. They are still someone you have a relationship with. And a good relationship, first up, takes work, but it also takes that communication. So you're not just sitting there talking at them, telling them what they want. You're inviting them to actually join the conversation. Yeah, asking them questions. And I'm really finding that interesting with my new brand, jessicadonovan.co, um, which I'll tell you a bit more about in a moment. But I'm, you know, I'm building that audience from scratch. So um, that's, you know, I'm, I'm kind of just, I'm back to what it, what it was like, you know, our audience for natural super kids is quite big now. And so I'm really loving that smaller audience and being able to interact with people, you know, on some of our posts on natural super kids, we get hundreds of comments. So I'm not going to go and, uh, you know, respond to all of those, um, individually, but I can do that with, with jessicadonovan.co and I'm asking people, you know, I'm listening to what they're, they're wanting and then, my next social post is is kind of meeting that that question or um, you know something that someone said. So if you really do listen to your audience and interact with them and communicate with them, it makes your content creation so much easier. Yeah, and I remember one of your most recent um, 
stories that you then sort of developed into a piece of content was just explaining how you got your VA to manage your inbox. Yes. And I remember you asking that question and I remember being like, I want to know because I'm terrible at managing my own and I'm definitely needing to get my VA to take over a bit more of that. But also knowing the amount of contact that you would get through your main brand, like the amount of emails that you would have in any given day is just overwhelming and managing it between the team and all of that, especially having like a generic email where a lot of your content, like a lot of it goes to. Mm. And I remember like seeing that you had such a high demand for people being like, oh my God, yes, please tell me how to get to inbox zero. And you took that feedback and went, okay, here's my girl. She's going to explain to you how she manages it. Yes, exactly. And that content was accidental. We didn't plan to do that content. It came from a question And then, yeah, I did that poll, like, you know, because so many prackies are stuck in their inbox and that is not where we should be. That is not a great use of our time. Um, And so I, and I remember when I started handing over my inbox to be managed, it was such a huge step. And I'm like, how is someone going to answer my emails? Like, how is that even going to work? So I, yeah, so, so that content came about and I said, Hey Mel, can you just film a little, some little stories showing people how you manage my inbox? So yeah, I mean, now I'm at the point where where my team are creating my content, a lot of my content for me. I mean, we have a, a recipe developer that creates all of our recipes for Natural Super Kids. So I think, you know, outsourcing is such a huge passion of mine. And this is a bit off, off tangent. Um, okay. But, you know, you can get to that point where you're not just outsourcing your, you know, the back end of your website maintenance, um, but you're actually able to outsource your your content creation in lots of ways as well. Yeah, absolutely. Now, we already uh, touched on this, but I would like to formally ask, could you share a little bit more about how you're now helping practitioners to follow in your footsteps of success? Yeah, so this is a bit of a work in progress. I launched jessicadonovan.co and I'm on Instagram. That's kind of, I'm just starting off on the one platform, following the advice that I'm giving to other prackies and just really putting all my energies there because I'm still busy with natural super kids. But because I've created this space um, and as I said before, I'm less busy than I was before, I'm like now I want to even increase that impact that I can have even more by helping other prackies, you know, get their expertise out into the world in a bigger way. So um, at the moment, like, as I said, it's a work in progress. I'm, I'm starting to think about um, coaching programs or memberships or online courses that I'm wanting to create for other prackies, but I'm really passionate about helping practitioners kind of um, you know, establish their niche and, you know, get their messaging right. So talk to their, that, that particular niche in a way that resonates with them um, and build their audience, you know, whether that's their email list, their social media um, audience, and then, you know, create a program or a membership and launch um, that out in the world. And I think the launching piece from the experience that I've had with talking to prackies in the strategy sessions that I've been offering um, is the, is the real kind of missing piece. A lot of the prackies that I'm talking to have a course that they might've launched once, or they've got an idea for a course, but you know, we know that creating the course, you know, this Sam is the easy part compared with the getting people to actually, you know, 
put put their money down and, and actually buy it. So I'm really loving that, you know, um, teaching prackies about the launch runway and putting on launch events, whether that's a webinar or a masterclass or a challenge, um, and then that leading into um, their, their paid program. And that might be a consultation program, you know, a series of consultations. Um, but I really love helping prackies with those online programs. And um, of course, memberships are a big passion of mine as well. So at the moment with jessicadonovan.co, I'm just offering sort of strategy sessions um, but of course, I'm then surveying those people that I'm, I'm doing strategy sessions with and asking them, you know, how can I help them move forward, um, you know, and what sort of support are they looking for? So that's the start of me developing sort of more services under, under that brand. Well, I'm really excited to see what the rest of 2022 brings for that brand because as soon as I saw that Instagram Instagram name pop up, I think I was in your, your first 20 followers because I was like, <laughs> yes, Jess, it's about damn time. Let's do this thing. Um, and I have no doubt that uh, there's some, some big ideas in that head of yours. And thanks to the fact that you do have such an amazing team and you are, you know, so ready to outsource the things that you're not the best at or that you just don't have time for, I think we're going to see some pretty impressive things pop up pretty quickly as well. Oh, thank you. And I think just that I'm in the, you know, I'm in the trenches, you know, I'm running a natural health online business. And so I'm just sharing what I'm doing that's working, um, you know, and helping other prackies navigate what, you know, what, what they might, you know, what their version of success is and what they want and how they might be able to kind of do that. So yeah, very exciting. Thank you so much. And just thank you for coming on today. There have been so many amazing insights and tips and a lot of information that people might not realize go into the back end, particularly of running a large online health business, because it is never just one person if it is, you know, you know, a, a big business where you're helping thousands of people every year and have, you know, six-figure turnover. Like those businesses don't exist with one person. Definitely not. And also they don't happen overnight either. No, you know, we all have that have that um, situation where we're comparing ourselves with someone who's five years ahead of us. Like this has taken a lot of time and a lot of work and a lot of effort. So I just want to put that out there now. But I'm at the place now where I work, work four day weeks and I'm not working evenings and I'm, um, you know, doing the things that really, really light me up. I'm paying myself for my holidays, all of those things. So I just hope that that helps people, you know, know what's possible for them. And I'm nothing special. Like if I can do this, anyone could do it, I would say. Listen, I think you're a little bit special, but I am biased. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. I am so excited to see what the Jessica Donovan brand has to offer. Um, and for anyone who's listening, I will have all of Jess's links, social media, all of those goodies listed in the show notes. Um, and is there anything else you wanted to add before we wrap up? No, I think yeah. that's it. Um, yeah, thank you so much for having me on. Thank you so much for joining us. See you, Sam. Bye.